Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat to me. Um, as a previous World Cup winner back in 2003, uh, you're obviously an amazing guest to have on the podcast. But just before we start on your career, briefly, um, I have two simple questions. The one, what is your lasting memory of the 22nd of November 2003? Um, it was probably the 20, uh, the changing room after the game. Oh, really? So what Change, happened? Yeah. Uh, no, just um, the lads had set out on a particular mission about six, seven years before. Um, been through some ups and downs, had some great wins, had some pretty terrible losses, had some life experiences, stuck together, stayed tight, uh, got themselves to number one in the world, went to favourites, nearly blew it, found a way to dig themselves out of a hole, dug themselves out of a hole, heard the final whistle, jumped up and down, and then once saw the TV cameras had sort of disappeared and started packing up we found ourselves in the changing room uh, as a coaching staff and as a collective of players just enjoying each other's company with a great sense of relief but a huge sense of satisfaction and achievement and what so what piece of advice would you or, or did you in fact give the current squad leading out into the tournament in japan did you did you have a chance to speak to them before they went out no i, I i've spoken to a few over the course of three or four years I've uh, been very fortunate to be able to, to to watch and experience them train and on occasion stick some boots on and run around with them. <laughs> and um, yeah, look, they, they're in great shape physically uh, and mentally. They've got a huge amount of self-belief. I think they've got a tremendous skill set aligned with a huge amount of physical power and raw pace. And uh, I think they the biggest challenge for all those teams trying to win this World Cup will be to stay calm, stay composed when things go against them because uh, whichever team lifts the trophy in Tokyo on November the 2nd, 2019, will have experienced some close shaves and will have found a way to stay in the moment and not worry about the end result, just fix the next problem. So I've seen you've picked your World Cup 15, but I suppose I have to ask you the question, 
who is going to make that final uh, in Japan? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think the the, the semi finalists. I think um, I'd be reasonably confident in picking New Zealand and South Africa. I think they can overcome Scotland and Ireland in the quarterfinals with the way the pools have been selected. Um, the other side of the draw, look, I think Wales, Australia, England will be in the quarterfinals, and then it's one of sort of France or Argentina. Um, I'm going to go with France. And then the semi-finals on that side, I suspect, could be England and Wales uh, or the semi-finalists, which means New Zealand play England and South Africa play Wales. Um, I'd like to think we would get at least one Northern Hemisphere team in it. Uh, I'd like to wear some rose-tinted spectacles and say it might be England, but uh, my not my fear, my, my suspicion is it, 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 New Zealand and South Africa are the teams to beat in this World Cup. So just going back to the start of your career, you at school, you were both a, a fantastic rugby player, but also a great cricket player playing for the Lancashire School's representative team. Did you find it difficult to make choose between rugby and cricket? And especially with the fact that your father was such a great rugby player. Did that make the decision easier or harder when you were choosing between the sports? My decision was made in a summer term of my first year at university when I realised I'd done no work really for the first two terms or the minimal, the least amount of work required and um, I needed to pass some exams. So in order to pass some exams to stay at the university that I absolutely loved, um, it meant those long afternoons on a cricket field and those long trips and those three or four day um, university matches um, just had to be unfortunately put to one side. And one of my great regrets is, is not going back to it um, and playing a little bit more cricket, I, I absolutely love um, love my cricket, and um, yeah, it's I was I was fortunate enough to to play. I mean, you name a sport, and at some stage I'll have had a go at it as a kid. And my mother and father were very supportive of me trying many different sports, which actually allowed me to learn so much about space, awareness, time, physicality, options, different ways of getting from A to B and they were hugely influential in in me becoming a reasonably good rugby player. So I suppose leading on from that, you've always had that competitive uh, attitude to life and sport. And early in your career, you were, I suppose, fortunate and unfortunate um, at both your first in, in at Harlequins and Leicester to have fierce competition for your place in the starting 15. How important was that rivalry and competition within the squad to get that first place uh, in the team? Did that motivate you to work harder each week and play harder to get that starting position? Um, no, I, I was a sort of player, and I just, I just don't like losing. When you talk about people who like to win, um, weirdly enough, I'm just someone who, who doesn't like losing. So uh, I was at training last night at Maidenhead, and I came out on the end of a touch game on the wrong side. And, and that really frustrated me. So um, I, I was never too concerned who it was against, what I was trying to do. It's just in that particular moment, on that particular day, um, I just wanted to be the best version of me and, 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 and leave the field, not celebrating victory, but just avoiding defeat at all costs. Did it affect you mentally at any point if you were on that losing side or that you weren't picked, for example, for the starting 15? Did that affect you upstairs? Um, I just get you just a huge amount of frustration. I think when I was young, I'd pick up the cricket stumps and storm off and say they were mine or I'd pick the football <laughs> up and 
and walk off and do that. So, um, but it would, I would uh, simmer, calm down and wait for the next opportunity, like the sea snakes in Gladiator, to, to have my chance to, to go out and be better next time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and obviously with those downs, there's always those ups and you soon cemented yourself uh, in the centres for the England team and you were quickly the starting inside centre. But just very quickly, why did you choose not to wear the 12 jersey and you went, you went elsewhere? Uh, no, but that was because the Bath lads didn't have a number 13 jersey in the old days. Their numbering system was 1-16 to 16 without ah. a 13. The quirky amateur days. And I happened to play with Bath centres when I first played for England. So Jeremy Guskett and, and Phil de Gamble. So oh, it was a case of them not wearing number 13. So oh. they didn't wear number 13, so I had to wear number 13. And once I wore number 13, you tend to keep the same changing room, so you keep the same number, keep the same changing peg in the change room. And um, and it was much more uh, that as opposed to any sort of freakily strange superstition about it wasn't superstition but i suppose when you get into uh, just do some players have that superstitious asp- uh, kind of mentality in the changing room uh, yeah uh, lots of guys have different um uh, i think they're more it's more routines you get used to a routine of what makes you feel comfortable and the whole point of going out into and into a test match arena in rugby which is a hugely physical one yeah you need to feel uh, physically and mentally right uh, and confident about what's about to happen so um familiarity allows that uh understanding if you've been through it and you've come through it and you've won then you want to sort of you like then to do the same thing and, and have that knowledge that last time i did this i won and with that you you, you create this wonderful self-belief I know that you can only talk about this so much, but obviously 2003 was the year of English rugby. You were top of the world and you were joint top try scorer at the World Cup. Do you still pinch yourself when you think back to that tournament and that you were world champions? And also, it, obviously, it was clear that you ha- had this amazing victory, but it must have cemented such fer- friendships for life within the group of players. So would you kind of call yourselves a band of brothers and do you still have regu- regular meetups with that squad? We don't have regular meetings. We've, we've uh, got together once, I think, as a, as a team. Um, yeah, I think everyone assumes we were all friends and best friends. I think we had a huge amount of respect for each other. Mm. But like, uh, like all teams, like all workspaces, like all offices, you have a group that you gravitate towards a little bit more who you feel maybe demographically or background or culture or mm. um, music style or fashion or sporting football team or whatever it might be you gravitate um, towards each other. So, uh, no, I always thoroughly enjoy meeting up with any of that squad that were involved in 2003. Um, meetups with certain characters, characters just end up being slightly later and, and slightly more fun. But uh, it, it's always a huge pleasure to catch up with guys who um, believed in something and set out on a journey and managed to, to, to get there. Well, let's hear, here's to hoping that 2019 can also be that year as well. But upon f- yeah. retiring from rugby, you found yourselves, yourself taking up a number of roles, including being a Sky Sports analyst, uh, which you still do to this day. But how did you find that transition from playing into retirement? W- was there a- any aspects that you found difficult from that transition, being such a, such a physically ready, uh, able body to that retirement or whilst obviously you must have maintained that physicality and were obviously uh, being active, but did you find that difficult? Uh, not really. Um, there, you know, you, I think July the 1st when you suddenly haven't got a pre-season, there's a, there's a moment 
but most of the planning goes into place in advance of that. So you know the transition, you maybe have a summer off and then you roll the sleeves up and, and, and go and do something else and try and be the best at whatever that might be. And uh, working in the television or writing for newspapers was no different. It was all about knowledge, uh, research, work, graft, commitment, making some errors, uh, understanding how you structure an article, understanding how you can have 36 viewpoints on a game, but you've got mm-hmm. to filter that down to one because you've only got 30 seconds to say it on the television and at the same time not try and be uh, offensive for the sake of being offensive or clickbait, but actually trying to be measured about what it is you're, you're saying. So, um, no, it was, you know, I think like all walks of life, they're all difficult, but it's no difficult uh, changing profession from uh, in in Civvy Street, if you sort of use that terminology. Um, just because I've gone from sport to business doesn't mean that's any different from going from a from a lawyer to a plumber. Well, sure. And I suppose you, you, you have always kept your, your feet planted in sport because you went back to, as you mentioned already, semi-grassroots rugby with Maidenhead Rugby Club, where you're, you're on the coaching staff. Um, how much of an influence and guidance have you taken from your previous coaches into your own coaching yourself? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what you do. You have to try and be a sponge. Listen, learn, watch, take notes. Um, you have to also not just take notes of, about great coaches who do it well, great captains who do it well, but also without naming names, you have to uh, understand what you think might not have worked uh, and the mm. reasons why that, that might not have worked. And then with that, you take that care and diligence into a, a sort of junior club level with, with great passion and enthusiasm. Um, the, a lot of the lads I work with at amateur level, they've got full-time jobs. They have bad days and it's, it's reading when they've had bad days at work and uh, knowing when to back off, but also knowing when to press the accelerator. Absolutely. And in your busy life, you're incredibly great at raising awareness about issues that individuals have dealt with, and in particular yourself, um, where you're a patron of Child Bereavement UK and Born. And whilst I don't want to go into any detail on the specifics relating to you, but how fundamental has the support of these charities helped you whilst you've also actually helped the charity? Mm. Yeah, look, I think if you go through something that's um, not the normal path through life, um, and you get a and a bit a big low and a, and a and a moment with your family where it is tough to understand what's gone on and why it's gone on then actually having um, uh, a focus with a charity to be able to help that charity do whether research or um, experiences for children who are suffering or whatever walk of life that charity is involved in then uh, having something you can throw yourself into and having a real understanding of what people are going through because you've got that T-shirt, uh, I think is hugely important. And uh, I think even more so if you've had a position of uh, a position in the public eye where you might be a relatively recognised face um, and have a story to tell and you're prepared to tell it, then I think it's a great way of opening doors and breaking ice. And uh, for charity perspective, in the politest possible sense of loosening wallets in order to to get some real um, tangible, powerful support behind a charity. Well, I really hope, I wish all that 
the best of luck and hope that that keeps going on well for you. Thank you. Um, my final two questions for you, which I ask every one of my guests, um, are as follows. My first one being, what piece of advice would you give your younger self or any young adults that you have held on to throughout your life? Um, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> Uh, nothing never known anything good ever happen after midnight and number two um do do your warm downs do your warm-ups um look after your body look after your flexibility and your core uh, all the stuff you think is boring and dull when you're young um because if you do that you'll get another five years playing sports at whatever level it doesn't matter whether it's international or local club because you are a long time retired so we're not going to be seeing you doing a haskell-esque sign up for the mma no, I do my physical work. I do my graft. Uh, I get a tremendous amount of enjoyment in my local CrossFit club, w- working with some paramedics and some girls and some boys who we turn up at lunchtimes three days a week. Uh, we catch up about family and stuff. And, and that's my sort of adrenaline shots during the, the, the course of the week. I will, I will take to, I will continue to hurt myself rather than allow others to hurt me. Well, it's incredibly important as well to to exercise as well because that helps you mentally yeah. as well. It's so important. Um, I suppose my final question then, uh, Will, is what does the word headstrong mean to you? Uh, I think headstrong is about being able to communicate and allowing others to communicate when you know they, they, they're having a tough time. I think uh, headstrong is creating environments where people feel that they can be confident enough to talk about what they're going through without any fear of recrimination or, or judgment. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, enjoy the World Cup. I hope, I'm sure you're going out to Japan, so enjoy, enjoy your trip. Um, have an amazing time and best of luck to the England boys and thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.